Hello and welcome to the inaugural Wildcat Scoop podcast brought to you by WildcatAuthority.com. My name is Jason Shear. I'm the senior editor of WildcatAuthority.com and uh, I'm pumped to bring you this podcast. It's the first of its kind for us, at least. I know it's uh, the hot thing on 24-7 sports and uh, we're, we're joining the group. So uh, it's going to be a weekly feature. Uh, we'll do it at least once a week if there's breaking news or anything like that. We'll have more, so you could see us twice, three times a week. It's Arizona basketball starts uh, with all the drama surrounding that, maybe every day. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but obviously, football is at the forefront of Arizona athletics right now. So for this podcast, we'll be discussing the uh, the upcoming game against NAU. And we don't want to focus too much on the score situation with, with NAU because the reality uh, of this game is that if Arizona loses – or if this game is close, um, there's nothing I can say on a podcast to ease your fears about how this season will go, uh, and rightfully so. Because even though Arizona played poorly uh, against Hawaii, um, NAU is not Hawaii. Hawaii would kill NAU. Arizona should beat this team by three touchdowns. If it doesn't, we're going to have a lot to talk about on on Saturday uh, night or, or Sunday morning's podcast, but... For now, it's kind of a, a big picture thing, and, and because of that, um, for our first podcast, I, I think it'll be a good idea to kind of look at uh, a few things that at least I'll be looking for in Arizona's game against NAU. And, and so, for me, uh, I think the first thing that I'm looking for is that I'm seeing improvement, and you know, it, to me, it, it's difficult to really figure out what improvement looks like against NAU because obviously NAU isn't Hawaii. And so it's difficult to say, oh man, the, the pass rush looked great this week when we all know that there's a large difference in quality of opponent this week as opposed to last week as opposed to next week when, when Arizona faces Texas Tech. So even if Arizona blows NAU out, um, there's still only going to be so much that we could take away from this game. Um, with that being said, there are some things that, that I would like to see uh, overall that really just looks like a different team. And, and what I mean by that is we all know where Arizona struggled against NAU. We know about the offensive struggles at times where the offense went cold. We know about the defensive struggles. And I don't need Arizona to defeat NAU 72 to nothing. I mean, it'd be great. It'd be great for the message boards. It'd be great for everybody's mindset. Um, 72 nothing would be awesome, but I, I don't think we need to see that. And, and even if Arizona won 72 to nothing, I, I don't think that would tell us a ton about how it's going to do against Texas Tech. But I think people, myself mostly, want to see is just just a difference in quality. Like when we watched Arizona versus Hawaii, at least from my perspective, and, and I was talking about this with, with Michael Luke on the radio and uh, texting back and forth, I, I think from – my perspective, like, I didn't watch that game and say to myself, man, Arizona's losing to a team it's better than. Like, I never got the feeling that Arizona was clearly better than Hawaii. Like, I think if they faced off 10 times, it'd be split or or Hawaii would get the majority. Like, I, I you know, maybe Arizona gets the majority, but they're close football games. I, I don't think one team was clearly better than the other. I, I don't think it was a bad night for Arizona. I think kind of what we see is what we're going to get with Arizona. Um, there's going to be improvement, I would hope, I would assume. 
but I don't think there's going to be such an improvement where you're like, oh, man, it's this is a complete fluke. This is just, it happens. Let's focus on the next game. I, I think that the difficulties, that the troubles that we saw with Arizona football against Hawaii is kind of the difficulties that we'll see for the rest of the season. Maybe they'll improve a little bit, but they'll, they'll kind of always be there. And, and so for me, against NAU, I want to at least see some growth. Like, Arizona had no pass rush against Hawaii. The closest thing to a pass rush was when Jalen Harris annihilated uh, the quarterback and got a 15-yard penalty, uh, which I wasn't even mad at because, you know, Arizona only gets to the quarterback so much. But um, there was no pass rush. So, like, in that regard, like, I want to see a pass rush. So then I'll know, okay, maybe Arizona's improved a little bit in that area. Maybe Arizona's improved, um, you know, Khalil Tate's passing game, intermediate passing game. Sure, it's NAU, but I think, Overall, generally speaking, if there's improvement in in those areas that Arizona struggled in against Hawaii, you could at least feel better for a week. If it's the same areas that Arizona struggled in, in a win or a loss, I think people, rightfully so, are, are going to be skeptical and they're, and they're going to be pissed off. And I think it makes sense. So I, the, the first thing I'm looking for, and it kind of translates to the other things I'll be talking about today, the first thing I'm looking for is just like a, a different football team not not a you know not completely different oh my gosh Alabama-esque but just a a different mindset a different approach uh, a different quality than we saw against Hawaii because that quality we saw against Hawaii that's a three or four win football team Uh, I mean you can't argue that that's a really good football team and even when you're trying to take positives from that Hawaii loss there's only so many Uh, which brings me to my second point it's not just personnel that I want to see different from Uh, it's coaching and and I've been gosh I you know to me I've been the harshest critic in the media of Kevin Sumlin and his coaching staff Uh, I'm pretty vocal about it I've taken a different approach this year I know I haven't been as vocal about coaches in the past um, but it's different this year because uh, I think the expectations for Arizona football with the hiring of Kevin Sumlin are are or were the the highest that they've been in a while and I think that his success in the past whether justified or not sets up a certain expectation that you have for Arizona football and that when you fire a coach like Rich Rodriguez, and, you know, I I probably would have fired Rich Rodriguez too um, because of the direction the program was going in. But when you fire a coach, you want to see improvement. And this team, in a way, looks worse than it did at times uh, under Rich Rodriguez. And so that's why I've kind of been vocal. But also, I I think the Hawaii game showed – a little bit about why I've been vocal. I mean, I, I wrote an article. It's the first article I've ever written like this where I called for the firing of Marcel Yates, and, and I did that uh, after the NAU game last year, and and I still hold to that. I, I think that this team can only go so far with Marcel Yates as its defensive coordinator. Um, really nice guy, great dude. Players generally like him, but that doesn't always translate to coaching success. And I, I think we saw it against Hawaii. I mean, basically they had nine months <laughs> or whatever it is to game plan for Hawaii to come up with a plan. And the plan they came up with was the starting lineup involved Justin Belknap, a 247-pound defensive lineman, playing on the interior defensive line. And against a Hawaii passing attack, against a bigger offensive line, there is, and this is an offense to Justin Belknap because he's out of position. There is no worry about Justin Belknap from Hawaii's perspective. Now, throughout fall camp, we heard Trevon Mason came here late, did a great job getting in shape. We need him badly. Miles Tapasoa, out of shape, did a great job getting in shape. We need him badly. 
we're going to count on him from day one. And then Arizona trots out at starting defensive linemen, and neither of them are to be found. And if the idea was to go quick, so be it. Put J.B. Brown inside instead of, J- instead of Justin Bucknap, Jalen Harris, Kylan Wilburn, J.B. Brown. All of a sudden, you have a quick three-man rush. It makes more sense um, from that perspective. Instead, Arizona goes with a three-man rush to start, um, has no success. And from there, it kind of sets the pace where Arizona is just unable to get a pass rush. And to me, you know, there's the whole argument about personnel, how much of it is the coaching, how much of it is the personnel. And it's difficult to really know the answer to that question. But I came away from the Hawaii game thinking to myself, if you don't have great personnel, you as a coach still need to put those players in the best position you can to make sure they win the football game. And after I watched that Hawaii game, as I was watching the Hawaii game, there was no part of me that felt that the defensive game plan, that the installation that was put in, was putting the personnel in the best position to win that football game. That playing five yards off a speedy 5'9 wide receiver isn't a good idea. But Arizona did it. Rushing three a good amount of time versus rushing four um, wasn't going to cut it. Blitzing certain packages wasn't going to cut it. Putting linebackers in coverage, and I think Colin Schooler and Tony Fields are fine. They're not coverage linebackers. They will never be coverage linebackers. That is not their strength. But you watch them, and they were put in coverage. Uh, defensively, safeties were awful. But um, in their defense, you know, you're giving these fast wide receivers a head start on them, and safeties aren't made to cover outside receivers like that. And, and, and there's no jamming at the line. I thought the cornerbacks played fine when Arizona did decide to jam at the line, but by then it was it was too late, and, and Hawaii was kind of doing whatever it wanted to do uh, on offense. I, I think a good uh, example of it was later in the game. Rick Neuheisel was announcing, and it was obvious Hawaii later in the game was in a rushing situation. Everybody in the stadium, everybody on TV, watching on TV, everybody knew Hawaii was running the ball. Arizona was playing a deep safety. Why? Why not run blitz? And, and I think that you could tell watching college football this past weekend, there is a very clear difference between disciplined players who are coached up and coaches that put their players in the position to win versus teams that are the opposite. And, and I think watching Arizona and comparing it to other teams that were more disciplined and more effective on defense, to me the difference is clear. Like, I could see it right away that, oh, those kids know where they're supposed to be going, those kids play their assignments, and those coaches know what their players are capable of. And if the defensive coordinator, defensive staff, wants to play a certain style of defense or have a certain game plan, cool. But you better make sure that you have the personnel to do it. And I just felt that playing a guy like Belknap, and it feels like I'm picking on him, it has nothing to do with him. Um, He's a fine football player. But putting him on the inside and saying, hey, you're going to get double teamed. Hey, Jalen Harris, you're going to get double teamed against a bigger Hawaii lineman and saying, go get the quarterback. It ain't going to work. I mean, it's just not going to work. Like you, you watch that game and said to yourself, it, it's, it's not happening today. You knew right away when Hawaii got up after that first drive where it was just easy. You knew right away that it was going to be a long day for Arizona's defense. And I pick on the defense, but – uh, it, it's not just them. I, I thought the offensive play calling was curious. And, and I know that we've we've talked on the message board, and, and I've mentioned this before, and a lot of people assume that Noel Mazzoni called three passing plays to begin the game. 
um, he called RPOs. They're RPOs. So the idea to pass is basically the decision to pass is, is Khalil Tate's decision. He made the decision to pass three times in a row. And, you know, back in the day, you used to say, hey, just run the ball. Just pass the ball. That's the play call. That, those days are gone. They don't exist anymore. With that being said, you are doing your team and your offense a disservice if you have a guy like J.J. Taylor and you're not finding a way to give him the ball. I don't care if it's an RPO or not. If you have a guy like J.J. Taylor, you're finding a way to get him the ball. If you're running a triple option offense and you have a wide receiver who is absolutely dominant, you are adjusting things to get that wide receiver the ball. And it's the same with Arizona's offense. J.J. Taylor is one of the best running backs in the country. Um, Certainly one of the best running backs in the Pac-12. But he got like seven touches in one half. I mean, that's – it's – forget about the run attempts. Give the guy a ball and a screen pass. Like, get him the ball. He is the best offensive weapon on your team. Um, If you want to argue Khalil Tate, cool. I would understand it. But to me, J.J. Taylor is the best offensive weapon on the team. Get him the touches in the open. Get him the touches in the backfield. Do what you have to do. Uh, Hawaii was adjusting its its defense a little bit, put a, an extra linebacker in the box. Donovan Lay, when we talked to him on Tuesday, offensive lineman Donovan Lay, said that they were surprised and that they didn't adjust. It shouldn't take a half to adjust to one extra linebacker in the box. It, it was as if Hawaii put an extra linebacker in the box and, and Arizona's coaching staff had never seen it before. So to be surprised that Hawaii was going to attempt to stop the run seems crazy to me. Like, of course they're going to stop and attempt to run and make Khalil Tate. I could tell you right now that every team Arizona faces for the rest of the season is going to load the box and make Khalil Tate beat them with his arm or by running the ball. Um, Maybe some teams will attack the edges and try to keep Khalil Tate in the pocket, but the message is still the same, that Arizona's offense isn't as good when it doesn't establish the run. So you would assume, hey, I'm Arizona's coaching staff. I'm going to establish the run. They didn't do it. And then later in the game, when they really weren't down that much, like 10 points, they gave up on the run again. You have J.J. Taylor. you, you got to find a way to get him the ball. And, and so, um, you, you know, it, it goes back to personnel issues, and it goes back to coaching issues. And, and I think it, it even goes beyond J.J. Taylor and, and the RPO system. I mean, you could even, if you want to get picky, look at the wide receiver rotation. Uh, Cedric Peterson – Great kid, outstanding blocker. Really, like, legitimately a very, very good run blocker. The problem is he is not a good pass-catching receiver. He doesn't do it. He hasn't done it his whole career. Kudos to him for being able to play and start on uh, under both coaching staffs because of his run-blocking ability. But eventually, you're losing a wide receiver when you're playing him in passing packages and he's not catching the ball or getting open or anything like that. And you got a guy like Jamari Joyner on the bench not getting the amount of reps that he should have been getting in the second half. You got Stanley Berryhill with only like four targets when he caught three of them, including a touchdown on that deep play, which was an absolutely gorgeous ball thrown by Khalil Tate. You've got Booby Curry, who I I believe he was a little bit banged up, so maybe that's the reason why he didn't play, but he still didn't play. Um, And and so it's kind of weird that, like, to me, I look at the wide receivers, and to me I know that clearly – in my opinion at least, and I know I don't go to every practice, but I'm putting Jamari Joyner on the field. I'm putting Brian Castile on the field. I'm putting Tavian Cunningham. I'm putting Stanley Berryhill. I'm putting Booby Curry. Those are my five. 
that, that's it. And I think Trey Adams is solid. I know that he didn't have any catches, uh, but he had a high blocking score, ironically. Um, but I still think that he's a better pass catcher than a guy like Cedric Peterson. Even Bryce Wolma is a guy where he scored the touchdown, but he was you wouldn't even know he was on the field for the rest of the game. And so to me, they have to find the way, and it's the coach's responsibility, to get their playmakers the ball. And you could blame Khalil Tate and say, hey, maybe he's not good enough to get the guy the ball. But if that's the case, then Khalil Tate shouldn't be playing because it's the coach's decision to put him in the game. Uh, The third thing I want to see is a pass rush. And I know that kind of goes back to what I said, but man, like when was the last time Arizona had a consistently good pass rush? It only, like, I'm thinking of like the Ricky Elmore days and the, the Brooks Reed days where they, they had a pass rush. But like Scooby Wright was the pass rusher when, when he was on Arizona. But it's like all Arizona fans want to see is a pass. You could almost get to the quarterback and have the quarterback throw the ball away every time. And an Arizona fan would still feel better knowing that there was some type of pass rush. Like I don't know if it's a curse of Arizona football. But they, for whatever reason, don't have a pass rush. They didn't have one last year, the year before, whatever. You want to blame the defensive coordinator, so be it. Personnel, so be it. I don't care. Like, I would get to the point as a defensive coordinator where I'd put everybody on the line just to see what an Arizona pass rush looks like because um, it's just, it doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, focusing on NAU, like, it's the type of situation where I've said before, like, it'd be great if Arizona beat NAU 72 to nothing. But, the reality is, but the bigger picture is the things that Arizona does within the game. Like, if Arizona can't get a pass rush against NAU, that is a major, major issue. You need They need to have, to me, a successful game against NAU, four sacks at least. If you're talking about a, a game where they finish with one sack, like Hawaii, where the sack is late of the game, that's a bad sign. Because if they can't get a pass rush on NAU, they're sure as heck not getting one on Texas Tech. And then you start to look throughout the conference and you're like, well, these offensive lines are bigger and better than the ones that Arizona faced in the first two games of the year. And it's an issue. Like Arizona has to find a way, whether it's through blitzing, whether it's putting an extra lineman, a four-man line, whether it's changing personnel, I don't know. But they need to find a way to get a consistent pass rush because we could pick on those safeties against Hawaii all day long. We could pick on the corners, who I actually thought played well, all day long. Those guys can only cover for so long. And I'm not making excuses for them because I thought the safeties against Hawaii were were awful. But if you're not getting a pass rush and that quarterback is is able to sit in the pocket and get rid of it quickly without caring that a guy's going to hit him or even sit in there for a long time and not care if a guy's going to hit him, the quarterback's going to have a successful day. There's nothing that the secondary can do about it. But if there's a pass rush and you're making a quarterback think twice before he drops back or get a little bit uncomfortable – um, to me, that changes the entire game. Really, to anyone, that changes the the entire game. And, and so, it, it, when I look at NAU, um, I'm I'm focusing on the pass rush, and uh, it, it's a situation. A guy like Jalen Harris, JB Brown, those two guys got a lot of pub in the offseason from me. I'm I'm responsible for that. Others, media are responsible, coaching staff, those guys themselves are responsible. They had big expectation, and and I think they're talented but they were nowhere to be found uh, against Hawaii. And I think that they have to be better moving forward. I think they have to get in the, in the box score, so to speak, uh, against NAU. And I think that'll go a long way. Even if it's NAU, 
to them, they can go in that room after the game or on that Monday or whatever when they watch film and say, look, we've got something to build on here. You can get to the quarterback. You need the confidence to get to the quarterback. Looking at the film, we can do it. Now let's focus on Texas Tech and try to match that effort. Uh, Another thing I'd like to see is, and Kevin Sumlin alluded to it in the press conference, uh, there's some really good young players on this roster. Uh, One that sticks out to me is Bobby Wolf. Now, this is a guy where we were able to watch a scrimmage during fall camp, and he was like the fourth-string corner. Like, I I posted, I wouldn't expect him to play. And I guess he had a wake-up call after that scrimmage or whatever it may be. And he played really well, and Lorenzo Burns got hurt. If you, if you go back and watch a replay of that game, Lorenzo Burns got laid out. Concussion, I don't know if he's going to play. Kevin Sullivan doesn't discuss injuries, but either way, even if he does play, I, I would assume Bobby Wolf gets more time because Bobby Wolf came in against Hawaii, and uh, he played well. He, he really played well. Um, again, not his fault when there's no pass rush, but he, he did his best, and, and I thought he made some, some nice plays. And he's the type of corner – that Arizona should be recruiting. And I said this about Roland Wallace too, which which I'll get to in a minute, the athletic physical corner. Do you have a guy like Bobby Wolf? Go jam at the line. I mean, he's a big dude. Um, it, it doesn't really work with Lorenzo Burns. They're built differently. They have different style games. But to me against NAU, play Bobby Wolf. And, and I actually like Sumlin's idea of, hey, if Bobby Wolf is good enough, we're going to play him at the corner. We're going to play Burns at another corner, and maybe we, we take Whitaker, we put him in that nickel spot, and we have him guard the slot. Because we saw against Hawaii, the slot guy was killing Arizona all day long. There was nothing Arizona could do about it because the safeties weren't playing well. But if you put Whitaker, if Bobby Wolf is good enough, if Roland Wallace is good enough, if Lorenzo Burns is good enough, and you could put Whitaker on the opposing team's best slot guy, like Texas Tech, you'll need to stop their slot guy. You're making your defense better to me, as long as you have the pass rush. But, again, we, we've already discussed that. So, Bobby Wolf is a young guy I'd like to see play. Uh, Roland Wallace, Christopher Roland Wallace, I know he had a, a couple bad plays, but he had some good ones too. And the reality is he's a freshman on the road, his first game ever, against a pass-heavy team. So there's going to be mistakes. You can't expect him to be perfect. But, you know, Demetrius Martin said it when I asked him during camp, what's the corner, you know, what, what are the corners that you recruit, what do they look like? It's Roland Wallace. Like, that's that's the guy that Arizona wants to recruit on defense and that secretary, the big, athletic, tough guys. And it sounds silly, but Arizona hasn't really recruited it in the past. And so Roland Wallace is another guy where I'd like to see play. Uh, you move to the defensive line, and, and, and something that was really weird was during fall camp, we heard from Iona, Sumlin, Yates, anybody that would talk on the defensive staff how the defensive line had a two-line rotation, like a hockey line almost, where they could sub three, four guys out, put three, four guys in, and not have a big drop-off. Well, first game against Hawaii, Fenton Connolly, nowhere to be found. Mikey Irving, nowhere to be found. Nahe Salunga, nowhere to be found. I, I don't expect all these guys to be awesome, but Mikey Irving was the second string lineman, defensive lineman on the team. Like Iona said that he was coming up and, and playing well and and really making uh, an impact. And, and so to me, how do you not play him against Hawaii when at the end of the game, the defensive line looks gassed? The, the Arizona defense looks gassed. If he's not good enough, so be it. Make him good enough. Because you can't get away with playing teams with three linemen and that's it. Maybe you can against NAU. But when you play Texas Tech and they're running 90 plays a game like they did in their season opener, 
you will get absolutely run off the field if you go with three defensive linemen. It will not happen. So NEU is a good situation to say, hey, look, let's see what Fenton can do. Let's see what Mikey Irvin can do. Let's see what Nahe can do. Let's get those guys, even if it's Kion Bars, who's a freshman, who's played well. Let's get those guys on the field and see what we can do. Uh, maybe that becomes more difficult if you're not a big, but again, if you're not up big late in the game against NAU or at halftime against NAU, you probably got a lot bigger problems than a few defensive linemen anyway. Uh, offensively, I, I'd like to see the same thing. You know, Khalil Tate played great. It, it, I, I shouldn't say he played great. He played well enough against Hawaii. That interception was bad. He made some bad reads, bad throw to Michael Wiley, but the reality is he played well enough. He put up 400 total yards or whatever it was, and Arizona should have been able to win that game even though it had some offensive struggles. Um, is there a room for improvement? Yeah. Did he play great? No, I, I shouldn't have said that. But to me, he played well enough. With that being said, if Arizona gets a lead against NAU and it's a decent lead, put Grant Gunnell in the game. I mean, this is a kid where during the fall camp, I heard from numerous sources that he was right there with Khalil Tate. And I think the difference was experience. And I think the difference was Khalil had a few wow practices where, um, you know, he had, there was one practice was only said it was the best practice he saw Khalil have. And I think Gunnell was, was more consistent, but I think that they have to go with a guy like Khalil because of his legs and the wow factor, so to speak. With that being said, there was an implication that to Gunnell that he would be playing against Hawaii. And I get why he did it. The game was probably closer than Arizona expected players and staff alike. NAU shouldn't be the case. There's been an implication made that Grant Gunnell will see uh, reps uh, against uh, reps against um, NAU. And if that doesn't happen, uh, I think there's an issue. <laughs> because that's two games in a row where you're making an implication, and uh, it's just not it's not happening. And so to me, put him in a series early. Don't, don't put him in the series when the game is a blowout. Put him in a series early. See how he does. Put Khalil in no matter what the series after. Put Grant in a couple series late in the game and see what the kid has. Because the reality is, he's your starting quarterback next season. Will Plummer's not going to be the guy probably as a true freshman. Kevin Doyle's not it. He's, you know, he's way behind right now. Um, Grant Gannell's going to be your guy, so let him grow. Uh, I think it goes a long way to let him grow and let him be good um, in that regard. Uh, and, and then, I mean, offensively, I, I, Jordan Morgan is another guy where, you know, let the kid, he, he probably feels bad after what happened, which wasn't his fault against Hawaii with the field goal debacle uh, because of everything that happened with the, the snap count and Hawaii mimicking the snap count. Let him go in and give Donovan a break if Arizona's up big. Uh, let them go and, and let the younger guys kind of get some playing time and, uh, and, and move forward and, and build for the future. And not, when I say future, I don't necessarily mean next season. I mean next week, like your Arizona needs more depth. They, they have to force the issue. And there were times where Rich Rodriguez, while he had his downfalls, he knew that at times he had to force the issue of depth because, um, and you could talk to good coaches. They'll say the same thing. You need depth to win. You're not going to win if you have absolutely no depth because you're going to face teams like these Texas techs and the Stanford's of the world where they wear you down in different ways, but they still wear you down. And if you don't have enough guys that can play, uh, it's going to become a, a major issue for your football team. Um, moving on, uh, another thing I want to see is accountability. And I, I someone posted this, and an insider posted this on the message board, and it, it kind of flows with what I've heard. There hasn't been enough accountability in practice on both sides of the ball. Now, mostly the defensive side of the ball 
you have guys with big egos blaming other guys and saying, it wasn't my fault, it was your fault. And the coaches are saying, no, it was your fault. And the kids are going back at the coaches. And these are starters. There's no accountability. Now, a game could come, and that could change, and it could just be a practice issue. Everyone's pissed off that they lost to Hawaii. The game comes, everybody's on the same page. We're all happy. Yay, everything's good again. Or it could be a very serious issue that there's no accountability on this defense. This team is only going to succeed if it gets well and gets along and succeeds on the inside out. If this team isn't succeeding on the inside, if there's friction, it's going to get really bad, especially if Arizona loses to Texas Tech in a few weeks. I, I'm not even going to bring up the possibility of losing to NAU because we all know what will happen um, in every way, shape, and form if Arizona loses to NAU. Uh, so these are, you know, this team needs to hold each other accountable. And, and Jalen Harris, when we talked to him on Tuesday, had a good point where he said, uh, you know, we watched the video and there were guys freelancing and basically kind of doing what they wanted. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? Like, like if Arizona's defense was Alabama's where you have like these athletic freaks um, and it would never happen on Alabama's defense, but you, you have the athletic freaks that could kind of make up for it. So be it, you know, whatever you can live with it for a game. Uh, but Arizona's defense doesn't have those guys. Like the, the team personnel-wise isn't good enough to freelance and have every guy in it for themselves. They need to work as a unit. It goes back to what I said earlier, pass rush to linebackers to secondary, and everyone kind of uh, works together and makes that defense better. I mean, each player plays a part. If you ask a defensive coach, the key to their success is that each player is accountable and does their defensive assignment and plays their part. The problem is Arizona wasn't playing their part. Like, you watch the video, there's dudes running, and, and Scotty Young comes to mind. I don't, I'm not picking on just him, but you look at Scotty Young, he didn't know where he was. And someone said it. He didn't know where his coverage was behind him. He didn't know who was supporting him or anything like that. And it's like, you have to do your job. Because if you're not doing your job, this whole defense won't succeed. And it goes for everybody. And, and I'd like to see some accountability where, you know, it may not be apparent during the game against any of you. You might have to watch it afterwards, but... It sounds simple where you watch a football game and each guy's doing their job instead of doing what would best serve them. And I think that what that leads back to is accountability. And it goes with Khalil Tate and the RPOs and it goes with everybody on defense, etc. Do your job to the best of your ability. And all of a sudden, everything looks better. And it sounds like common sense. But from what I've heard, and it's been an issue in practice as well, it's not common sense with the football team right now. And so... Again, kind of to, to sum it all up, I think Arizona is going to beat NAU rather comfortably. Um, I, I'm not sure what point total I would feel comfortable with letting NAU score. I mean, in, in my head right now, I'm going to predict probably 52 to 24. I think 24 points is, is way too much, but I just think that's where the defense is now. But I think if you see improvement in the pass rush, you see some improvement in the secondary, you see Arizona establish a run, and, and to me, coaching. You see the coaches put the team in their best position to win. I think you could feel better. Um, if Arizona goes and wins this game by 14 points and it's a high-scoring affair, people are going to be pissed off, and, and rightfully so, especially because Texas Tech is coming to town. And it's, this may not be a Cliff Kingsbury offense, but it's a David Yost offense, and it, it's really good too. And so um, I, I thank you for, for joining me on my first podcast. We're going to have one on Sunday morning probably about the NAU game. Unless uh, NAU wins, then I'll probably uh, – I don't know what I'll do. I'll probably have to add a sensor to my podcast because I'll be saying some not not so nice things but um, I appreciate you guys for for joining me 
We'll do this much more often. We'll have some podcasts where you guys can ask me questions and I communicate with you and hopefully down the road, maybe get some call-ins and have some guests and stuff like that. So uh, I'm glad to get this thing started. Once again, I'm wildcatauthority.com senior editor, Jason Shear, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys later this weekend.